Welcome to this public affairs talk show. And I'm VJ Roberts. And I am very excited today to have a special guest with us, Dr. Dolores Tarver. Hello, Dr. Tarver. I'm just so happy that you're here with us today. And uh, and talking about a very serious subject, though, about um, suicide prevention, because this is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And, I, and although the, the subject is um, very important to me, I just want to make it clear that uh, all the research and, and some of the things that I've read, it says that, that maybe we can prevent a lot of them. So I'm so glad that Dr. Tarver is on with us. So let me just go ahead and say who you are. Dr. Dolores Tarver is a licensed psychologist and independent con contractor at Columbus Psychological Associations. Associates, she uses her social media platform of Tea Time with Dr. Tarver to promote mental wellness. She specializes in mental health ministry, self-work, and skills building. Welcome, Dr. Tarver. I'm so Thank excited. Thank you so much know, for having me. Yes, and I know... Um, uh, I, I love the fact that you give so much back to the community and all that you do. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Thank you. So just tell us a, a little bit about uh, suicide prevention awareness. Absolutely. So as you stated, September is Suicide Awareness and Prevention Month. And I like to give people just kind of a general understanding of what it means when we talk about suicide. So... Between 2011 and 2021, we have seen some increases in suicide across all groups, but particularly we saw some suicide increases amongst our young people. And when we talk about suicide, suicide is what occurs when a person ends their life through various means. It could be hanging. It's very common for our young people, um, slitting wrists, taking medication in excessive amounts that ends up causing a person to either go into cardiac arrest um, or to, to slip away into a coma-like state in which they'll end up transitioning uh, by firearm is um, a, a means that is often utilized by men um, as a means to, to kill themselves. There's a difference between suicide and suicidal thoughts, or you'll hear people say suicidal ideation. Suicidal thoughts are, they could be very fleeting, very quick things, or they could be Things that occur daily, such as, I wish I wasn't here. I wish I wasn't going through this pain. I wish the pain would end. I think the world would be better off without me. I don't know what my purpose is. There's no reason for me living. I don't want to live if I'm going to just exist like this. So I like to separate those out so people understand. One, I think I like to say to, to people, and I, and I think this is uncomfortable for people, but it is a truth which is given the right set of circumstances, any one of us could experience suicidal thoughts because what feeds suicidal thoughts is hopelessness. Mm. And, and I think people think that, and I wanna dispel the myth that suicide means that you're weak mm -hmm. because that's not the case at all. Suicide means you're hopeless and hopelessness can come in a variety of different ways. Um, hopelessness can look like alienation from people and not having support. Mm -hmm. Hopelessness can look like the inability to be able to manage difficulties in one life. 
uh, one's life because we just don't feel like we have the skills to be able to do it. Hopelessness can look like feeling abandoned by people, a lack of inspiration, powerlessness, oppression, doom, feeling like we're trapped or held captive, and just feeling helpless that we're just powerless to be able to do anything about our situations, which is why any of us could potentially experience suicidal thoughts and then puts at a, us at higher risk to experience suicidal behaviors. And I just want to say one thing, uh, Dr. Tarver, um, when we were thinking about that, uh, uh, when we go to the doctor, the doctor always asks us, have you thought about hurting yourself, you know, as a, as a wellness check? And most of us won't say, oh, yeah, I, I did think about doing something. I did think, well, what's the use? Am I, am I a burden to someone like that? So those are all thoughts that uh, we have uh, a lot even if we have great lives, we still Absolutely. have them. And that, I'm so glad you mentioned that because suicide isn't just limited to people who are what we consider going through abuse or trauma, um, homelessness, uh, financial burdens. We have seen an increase in people completing suicide who come from situations where it looks like they're doing fine. Their families are intact. They may be going um, along very successfully in their lives. We're also seeing suicide rates increase amongst our youngest little ones. Um, so we're seeing suicide rates increase amongst our young babies um, that are under the age of 10. We're seeing the highest rates of suicide in young people between the ages of 10 to 24, but we have seen an increase in the young people between the ages of five to 11. So it doesn't mean that you have, because a lot of times, uh, suicidal thoughts are invisible wounds. We don't know what people are experiencing. We don't know what they're thinking. We don't know what, what has happened in their lives. We do know that there are a lot of triggers that could get us to that point. Um, so for our young babies, divorces in their families, mm -hmm. right? So parents splitting up can be a big trigger for them. We do know that abuse, uh, witnessing violence, domestic violence, um, having a parent or a close family member that has a history of suicidal ideation or mental illness um, can be risk factors for our babies, but also for our young people when they feel like they don't have friendships, when maybe mm -hmm. they've lost a friendship or being there's been bullied. a breakup. Being being bullied. Um, also, when they get in trouble at school, so being suspended, being expelled, having academic difficulties, for our little ones, ADHD and depression are some of the biggest triggers when we talk about mental illness that's underneath why they're completing suicide. So there's a lot of risk factors that we're not aware that people might be experiencing because as you said, if we as adults go to the doctor and we're not honest about what we're experiencing, imagine our little ones who haven't really found their voices yet, have a lot of big emotions, but aren't sure how to express themselves, how they're trying to manage and navigate all of the really big things that they are experiencing, particularly since the pandemic, where we've seen that spike, because we saw a lot of young people at home and they fell behind. Um, we saw a lot of families have more domestic violence when they were at home during the pandemic. So our young ones are still managing all of those things and trying to figure out how to navigate all of these situations that are difficult again for us adults to manage. And, and I would like to just add that um, a lot of times when suicide is committed in a family, there might be others who go about committing suicide too. I don't know why it is like when we think about the famous writer, Ernest Hemingway, 
to have that family history of suicide. So it's it's uh, so it would be really behooving of us to to try to stop the cycle of what we're seeing. Absolutely, but we do know that's a risk factor. And so what we're talking to people, but, and there's so much shame around when people do complete suicide that families often don't want to discuss that. So then you don't know that you're at risk. And so I'd like to tell anybody that's listening, I want you, us to really work on not having shame, but talking to people about pain, talking to people about hopelessness, understanding that there is a human being underneath that, that was struggling with things that we may not have fully understood, but that doesn't mean that they weren't struggling to a level that they were in such pain, in such despair, in such depths and darkness that they didn't feel like that they could come out of. And we need to talk to our family members about that so we can be preventative, right? You mentioned this prevention piece, and I think that's very important. One of the biggest ways that we can prevent, be preventative because there is, we know, a biological genetic component to suicide. We also know that there are environmental factors that um, are going to people completing suicide. So it, it behooves us to be able to talk about these things with our families. Here's your risk factors. We have mental illness in our family, particularly depression. We have substance abuse in our family. That's a big trigger. Um, for suicide because some people will complete suicide they weren't necessarily intending to die but they were trying to numb the pain and they were using substances to try to numb that pain to just get some relief and then they ended up overdosing which is what led to them killing themselves so we do need to talk about that we need to understand the dynamics in our family in the same way we want to know if we have a history of breast cancer in the same way we want to know if we have a history of prostate cancer we need to know if we have a history of mental illness substance abuse um, or suicide in our families, if we're going to be able to give people a chance to fight for their lives. And I would add too that like some of the probable suicides are like uh, people like Marilyn Monroe. They think that it was a probable suicide just based right. on everything that she was going on, going through. And then when you talk about um, high profile people who in, in fact, I didn't even know that country star uh, Naomi Judd uh, in, in April of 2022 passed away due, during, because of suicide. You know, it wasn't, um, her family really wanted to kind of keep it quiet, keep it quiet about uh, the notes that she left to, to say because they were really embarrassed about it. They wanted to keep it in their families. But when we think about it, when we share, we can really help someone else. Absolutely. And I think it's important for us because a lot of people will say, well, Black people don't complete suicide. That's not true. We just lost Stephen, known as Twitch Boss, um, to suicide. We lost a beauty um, contestant and, and former beauty pageant winner, Chelsea Chris, to suicide. We have lost mayors. We have lost football players. Uh, we have lost writers. We have lost um, people who were, were popular on social media. Um, we have lost entertainers. We have Robin lost musicians. Williams. Absolutely. Right. Like, so it is, it is not, um, that it is simply, uh, people who are not black that complete suicide. We have young black people, young black males in particular, we saw a significant increase in them completing suicide by hanging. Um, and so we're talking about young people struggling, Black people struggling with suicide. So I don't want us to get comfortable and think it isn't 
in our communities. It isn't in our homes. Because I imagine if we shake the limbs of the tree just a little bit, we'll find that there has been someone that we know of or someone that knows someone uh, that has completed suicide. And so it's very important for us to have these conversations to normalize seeking help and getting support to normalize that it's okay not to be okay. If you let me know you're not okay, I can support you. But if I don't create an environment where you can share you're not okay, then you're holding on to all of this pain. And we know that pain by yourself is a heavy burden. But if I can share that pain, it lightens the load. And, and I just want to add that when somebody tells you how they feel, acknowledge it. Don't Absolutely. think, oh, oh you, you're fine. You'll be just fine. You know, you're okay. There's nothing wrong with you. But when they tell you that they're in pain, really listen to them. Absolutely. Thank you so much for saying that. Because I think, and here's one of the things I want to say to all of us as faith believers. Um, you can have faith and still have suicidal thoughts. You having mental illness, you struggling is not a reflection of a lack of faith. Neither is you seeking help when you are struggling. In fact, it is your faith that can allow you to seek that help and support, to know that God has helped by creating people who can assist you in your time of struggle. So I want us to get away as, as churches too of telling people just pray about it. I want you to pray and go and see somebody. Right. I want you to pray and take that medication. Right. Right. I want you to pray and go to that support group and call that crisis line. Right. Right. And I also want them to remember that Jesus faced everything that we will encounter uh, here on earth. You know, Jesus was in the wilderness. He was hungry. He was tired. It's 40 days. And the devil is saying, oh, you know, if you're God, just throw yourself off this Absolutely. mountain. That's 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 another form of committing suicide, but he was strong enough to say, get thee behind me, Satan. Absolutely. And that, and, and I just want to, I really, I know you're going to get to uh, some personal factors that protect against uh, suicide risk, but I just want to remind you that, uh, you know, is that, that power of that prayer and talking to someone when you when you feel like this is just so important and i'm sorry to keep interrupting you but that no is you're doing this yeah. to be a conversation not a lecture <laughs> but these are things that people as you said jesus cried out why hast thou forsaken me right and so we have discussed that that's a risk factor for suicide so absolutely to be to be bullied as you said to be talked about um to be judged to be crucified right so we've experienced these things and these are triggers for why we feel suicidal. Um, and yes, uh, so let's do a little bit of shifting. Um, so we've kind of talked about some of the things that are triggers for us. And I do want to particularly for people that have young folks, because I know sometimes when we have young people, they're moody and we don't recognize any changes in their behavior because we think that's how they are. Talk to your babies, yes. ask them questions. Don't just assume that because they're moody and they go to their rooms a lot and they play on their games a lot that they don't have things going on. Our young people are dealing with a lot of different things. And it is when we ask people the right questions mm. that we can absolutely get to those things that they are struggling with. Um, so, yes, let's 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 shift. Um, so I want to talk well, about. Go ahead. Go ahead. Said that, what's the question that you should 
should, what are some of the questions you should ask? You know, when they want to go to their rooms and you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. They, they get in their rooms and then, you know, they shut the door. Absolutely. So, so what absolutely. do you do? I want to back up to one thing that you said earlier, which is believe them. So first of all, if anyone makes a statement, any child makes a statement, and I know that sometimes we use things loosely, but you want to follow up. I wish I could just die. I hate it here, uh, right? So those kind of things follow up, ask questions. Hey, baby, when you say you wish you could die, are you thinking about harming yourself? Do you have difficulty finding things that you enjoy? Like, does life feel really hard right now for you? Um, what's, what's going on at school? Are people being nice to you? Have you made friends? Do you feel like you're by yourself a lot? Are you eating lunch by yourself? Are you eating lunch with people? When you're in your classroom, are, are people talking to you? Are people talking about you? Right. So asking some of these questions, there are um, a lot of ways that you can ask questions. If you're not getting, if you get a roadblock one way, shift and ask it a different way. Um, tell me about something good that happened today. And if they say, well, I never, any, nothing ever happens good to me. You know, that's giving you insight right there that they're struggling. Right. For people who are giving away things. Well, I don't want to I don't want that anymore. You can have it. I don't I don't need it. Okay, baby, that was your favorite. Uh, why mm -hmm. are you giving that away? Mm -hmm. That That's so. Uh, and that's one of the signs. Yeah, that is when, one of the signs. Yeah. When they're it's like they're saying goodbye. They're saying Absolutely. goodbye to things. Absolutely. I want to go see grandma because I don't I don't know that I'll see grandma again. Well, why why are you saying you won't see grandma again, baby? What's mm. what's going on that you don't think you'll see grandma? Are what? you worried about grandma or are you worried about you? Mm. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So we we it's just important for us to and, and I think the other thing too, and this is you know, talking about the preventative factors, one of the most preventative factors there is, is to take your children to see a therapist, to get them in with a good counselor, someone who can, when you start hearing those things, because I know when we hear those things, we get scared and we feel overwhelmed. And our first thoughts are, I don't know what to do, right? You don't have to know everything to do by yourself. Seek that support. And I tell people, know your resources ahead of time. Every family should have a list of crisis resources as well as a list of counselors who accept their insurance or if you don't have insurance, places that will see you without insurance. You need to know that ahead of time so when it happens that you need to see somebody, you don't have to scramble around trying to find resources because that can be very detrimental when somebody is in crisis mode and I don't even know where to take you. So now I'm delayed five months trying to find somebody for you. So everybody should have a list of resources readily available to them that, for them to use. Um, and I will also say to people, it is very important to support connect, right? So for people that feel hopeless, um, it is important for them to learn skills for, to be able to see beyond this situation. Most situations have a solution, but we don't know what the solution is if I'm in that place of helplessness, hopelessness, and I haven't learned skills, I don't have distress tolerance, a lot of people have difficulty dealing with what they perceive as rejection. So mm -hmm. first, I got to teach you that rejection doesn't mean that you're not loved and worthy. 
you being broken up with and not with this person doesn't mean you're unworthy. Um, your worth isn't dictated by your wallet. So though you're having financial difficulty right now, that doesn't mean that you don't have any value. We can figure out some ways to problem solve, but I need to make sure you have support resources. You have stable housing, you have food, you have people around you, your family going through a divorce. Maybe you need to be in some family counseling to be able to address this because oftentimes we will internalize that it's our fault um, when there's a divorce as children, but also I may be a spouse. So this is for our older people too, who may feel like this was the love of my life. I can't even see myself without this person. Mm. How am I going to function without them? So I need to be able to be in therapy to learn skills to be able to manage that. That's one of the most preventative resources. We call it resiliency. So yes. when I am able to get through a problem, to find ways to cope and manage it, to improve my problem solving, that is one of the greatest ways that we can prevent people from considering suicide when we give them skills to be able to deal with painful events. Very good. Very good. And then what about relationships? Because that's so important. Like you just talked about, you know, are they eating lunch by themselves? You know, older people who, uh, especially with uh, COVID, who didn't want to go out of their houses because they were afraid of getting COVID. You know, they and people who stopped going to church because of COVID and they missed that connection. Absolutely. So when we talk about the factors that influence that hopelessness, attachment is top on the list. Attachment, mastery. So the mastery is the skill piece that I was just talking about. Um, but that attachment is really, really important because all of us wants to belong. We want to be accepted. We want to have connections. And even the most ornery person um, who says that they don't like people does not like to be alone because when we're alone, we're alone with our thoughts. And as my mother used to say, when you think long, you think wrong. So the more you are thinking and you're the only person giving you information, that is when in the, in the deep darkness of the night, your mind can go to those places of why am I here? I'm by myself. I don't have anybody. The world wouldn't be any different without me. Nobody's going to miss me. Nobody's around. So it is very important for us to be able to connect. Check on those people that are by themselves. We have older people that live by themselves. They may no longer be able to drive. And so they're unable to get out. A phone call can make all the difference. Yes. Um, you can video with people now on phones. And so you can see people. You can drop by, put them a care package together, drop by and surprise them. Come pick them up, take them to church. We have ministries that have transportation available to be able to go and get them. Come invite them to dinner at your house. Go get them, pick them up. You don't have to bring anything. You are the, you are the treat. You're the dessert. So come on over. Uh, we just want a fellowship with you. That's not only good for them, but it's good for us too. Because one of the other things that helps us is when we feel like we're doing something with meaning and purpose. So Ooh. us being able to pour into other people makes us feel good too. Because what is it doing? It's giving me a sense of value. Yes, yes, yes. That's great. Absolutely. So our kids too. And sometimes you have to, this is why it's important for us to know about community resources. Every kid isn't going to be a kid that does sports. And so I don't want it always to be put your kids in soccer, put your kids in basketball. If they're sports inclined, that is wonderful. But there are a lot of other ways that they can connect too. They may be into robotics. They may be in the art. They might be in the poetry. They might be in the singing. They might be in the acting. There are a lot of different things, but find their talent. Every kid has a talent. And sometimes they don't know what it is because it just hasn't been nurtured. 
Right. And so right. as we're talking with them and seeing what they're leaning toward and what are they spending a lot of time doing and what do they light up when they see it, nurture mm -hmm. that. And through yeah. those activities, they can build a community. We all need a tribe. That's right. That is so, that is so good. And one of the things that I really uh, love to do is that um, I love to go for a walk, just go for a walk, take the dog, go for a walk. I'm going to mm -hmm. see my neighbors. I see all my neighbors. I get to talk to them, um, you know, and when COVID hit, we were all in the streets. Even my, even my husband would go and my daughter would go. We, we would be all together mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. and traveling. And, and so that's one of the things I miss about community and, and um, especially for African-Americans, it was, it was a community. It was in the household. You'd have the grandmother and the mother and the children. So if the mother wasn't available because she's working, there was the grandmother there. Mm -hmm. And that made a huge difference. Because you always had a connection. But I will also say to people, there is biological family and there is chosen family. Yes. So if you don't have the people in your life who are loving in those ways, that are in your biological family, do know that you can choose other people to become a part of your family. You can create your tribe and you can create that tribe through church. You can create that tribe through your community organizations that you're a part of. You can create that tribe um, through art, your art networks, walking. You meet a lot of people when you go walking. So there's a lot of different ways we can make connections with coworkers, uh, with people that we went to school with. And so I don't want people to think that you're only limited to your family members, because if your family members are a source of conflict and stress, because relational issues is one of the biggest triggers for suicide. And so if you are finding that you feel worse when you're talking to people that are your biological family members or who, who say they're your friends, do know that you don't have to stay there because that feeling trapped is what helps us feel that helplessness and that hopelessness. Know that you can create a support system that is loving and kind to you. I love that. I love that. And that is so. Yes, ma'am. So, and you mentioned the, the, the walking, I think is so very important that we know that coping looks a lot of different ways. That is walking, that might be meditation, that might be prayer, mindfulness, that might be singing, that might be water therapy, um, that might be artwork. Like there are so many different ways that in all of these things allow us to be able to deal with stress, allow us to be able to quiet those thoughts that sometimes can be very self-destructive. And so the more coping resources you have, the more you'll be able to deal with the challenges that you're going to experience in your life. And so I tell people, there's never such a thing as too many coping mechanisms. Keep adding, keep growing. There are so many things that we think, well, Black people don't do that. Um, yes, we do. We do all of that. And we do it very well. If we'll allow ourselves an opportunity to be able to grow in it in practice. And I will tell you that at Fort Moore, they have, uh, it's, Suicide has been uh, very hard on our servicemen. And although we don't talk about it very much, we don't see it. I know uh, uh, years ago, I had one of my cast members who was black and her, her father committed suicide at, at Fort, at the time was Fort Benning. Um, and I didn't know how to, um, I really didn't know how to respond to that. Um, but I wanted to say before, um, we start the, to close, 
uh, I know that uh, CDC has a lot of information about suicide where people can get it. And they have a, a call or text 988 or chat at 988lifeline.org. Are there other other resources that you wanted to recommend? Absolutely. And I want people to know that's free. Um, mm -hmm. The National Institute of Mental Health has resources. You also have um, uh, the American Psychological Association has resources. Uh, you have a lot, of, a lot of resources for therapy here, Columbus Psychological Associates, Pastoral Institute, Ellie Mental Health. So there are a lot of different places where a person can go and get information. A person can get therapy. There are free resources that people can utilize as well. There's family, um, a family counseling center here. So if you're having family challenges and you want some assistance with that, um, you have uh, uh, NAMI that's here, the National Alliance for Mental Illness that does support groups. Pastoral Institute has grief groups. I know grief can be a trigger for um, suicide. We do know that our active duty 22 a day um, are completing suicide. And so there are particular in interventions at the VA for people. If you're a veteran, if you're active duty, you can be seen on post, but you also can get referrals to be seen in the community. So there are a lot of different resources that are available to people. Well, Dr. Tarver, is there are there any last words that you wanted to say? Because I think our time is really uh, just about up. Absolutely. I will say this to anyone that is listening. You always matter. Mm, that That's so powerful. When, when I was a kid, um, my mother, and I don't know why she said this. I don't know what I was exhibiting or, or showing, but she said to me, um, uh, and she called me Nessa and they called me Nestig. And she, uh, she said that if if you ever feel like you don't want your life, then come and bring it to me because I always want your life. Uh, and that was just such unconditional love that she gave to me. So no matter what, I felt like I could tell her anything. I felt like I was important to her. And I, I want to say to our audience that um, you are that important to Jesus, that he loves you that much that you can always come to him no matter what the situation there is no condemnation you there's nothing too bad that you you can't tell him about and i and i say that with all due respect that this this happens all over our country so let's just start loving each other and respecting people for who they are Amen. so so thank you so much for being with us. We we love you and we are appreciative. And and uh, once again, I just say thank you. You you are a right on time sister. And I just thank you so much for it. I and appreciate you. you so much.